Hi, this is Personal Effects. I'm Alex. I'm Warren. Today's story we found on Reddit, Seattle's Reddit page. It's about a man who found a mystery box while doing construction on his kitchen. Warren reached out to the owner of the house, Sam Blackman, and Sam offered us an invitation to come and take a look. We've changed some of the names in this story to protect the identities of the people involved. Here it is. I'm trained as a pediatric oncologist, uh, and I specialize in pediatric brain tumors. And then about uh, nine or ten years ago, I came over uh, to work on cancer drug development and moved here about four and a half years ago to take a position out here. As you can see from the plastic behind you, uh, we've been doing a lot of work on the house. Uh, it's, a, it's a terrific house, well-loved. Um, the previous owner had been here for about 30 years, had raised his family here, had a son. And when we moved in, we never actually met him, but we found little bits and pieces of his life around here. And he left a beautiful wooden box for Annika, our daughter, in her room uh, with some treasures in it. And there, there were some other interesting things about the house. We noticed that this was not going to be your normal house. There's a hidden, there's a hidden staircase behind a book, a bookshelf here. Oh my God. So uh, we've been doing a lot of work on the house, and the last thing that we had to work on was the kitchen, which is uh, very small and very worn down. So when they uh, were pulling up the floor, they cut through the subfloor here and pulled up these, what's under these boards right now. And then they found this box wrapped in black plastic. And, uh, and my wife was home and they said, do you know what this is? Does this belong to you? And my wife said, no idea. She goes, you're not gonna believe what we found hidden in the floor of the house. And I said, please God, tell me that it's enough money to pay for the kitchen remodel. <laughs> And she said, no. She goes, close. And I said, uh, I said, did you find drugs? And she goes, yes. And so she sent me the pictures and, uh, and then I'll, I have the box downstairs so I can, I can show you what we found. It turns out that if you go in the basement, uh, there's part of the ceiling that's open. We think that this person got into this, this this opening and between two joists and just shoved the box in as far as they could, and that's where they that's where they hid it. So you can actually get to it. Oh man! Can we see it? Yeah. All right. Okay. So this is. Oh wow! It's smaller than I thought it would be. So. We found it's a it's a Tupperware container that looks not like a modern Tupperware container, and there was a looks like a black leather tobacco pouch uh, in there that didn't have anything in it, and then a white glass jar that looks like an antique to me. Yeah, it it, it certainly looks like it's from the the 40s or 50s, and then an epic collection of pipes, uh, corn cob pipes, very short pipes, some longer pipes, and rolling papers and matches and pipe filters. I didn't realize how complicated pipes were, but there's a ton of these things. Yeah. And then there were some other interesting things in here. There was this That's awesome. Mickey Mouse 
fork. It looks like a kid's fork. And then this was the other thing that was a complete and total mystery. It's a it's an old tin container of uh, of adhesive powder for dentures. And I thought to myself, what in God's green? Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. Apparently, you use this for cleaning pipes. I could see why you would look at this and think, there's a lot of really old stuff in here. But it seems like it's a mix of, of new and old. But what was the giveaway in terms of dates was were the 35-millimeter film containers because these couldn't have been from the, the 30s or 40s or, or, or 50s. Um, one had was packed full with marijuana, no doubt. Just when, when I posted this on Reddit, uh, a number of people said they wanted the seeds because they thought that maybe this was some heirloom strain that they could then cultivate. And then the last container had a uh, Ziploc bag. Uh, and this is what I think began to solve the mystery of the dates with a, a little uh, chunk of what I'm fairly sure is hashish, although the internet said uh, it, maybe it's uh, opium, but I'm I'm still thinking it's hash. It just made, made sense. Mm. But it wasn't so much the hash that I think was so interesting to people. It was the Ziploc bag. So this is a, an, a rather unremarkable Ziploc bag, but it has the yellow stripe on one side and the blue stripe on the other and when you press them together they make green and turns out that the ziploc company did not start making the yellow plus blue makes green stripey bags until the 80s so then i emailed the previous owner of the house and i said I found your stash. <laughs> and he said, well, it's not my stash. He goes, but I rented a room to a drummer in a rock band. Uh, and and I said, well, that, that would be consistent. I also knew he had a son, but I, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to make any pointed accusations about his son's habits. Who would a teenager have such a large collection of corn cob pipes? Also, this is meticulously put together. This guy, he wanted to present himself like an heir of class and old timiness, it seems like. So I emailed the previous owner and he said that uh, the, the uh, renter's name was Rob and he was in a band called something like The Road Apples. He said it was decades ago and I've not heard from him since. He also said that he has, he has no interest in talking to an independent journalist, whatever that is. So... <laughs> <laughs> It's a little insulting. Well, I mean, I would, I would just love to. I always love tracing stories to their origin. I mean, part of being a scientist is you start with something, a phenomena that you can't fully explain, and then you pick it apart and you go down every single possible logical pathway and try and understand the very origin of it. I mean, it's just the nature of the way that I think about things. I would love to be able to find out whether or not you know there was such a band or such a band. I had someone, you know, was here in Seattle, somebody named Rob. Because at the end of the day, it means nothing to me other than a curiosity. But somebody who, uh, uh, you know, took the care in putting this together 30 years ago or 40 years ago now uh, might really be interested in, in, in having this back. And nothing would make me happier than to uh, put it in the hands of whoever it belongs to. And also the fact that it's something of value that was contraband is now legal in the whole state i mean yeah there's definitely uh, uh you know i think the changes i think the changes that have led to that are good it reflects on a previous time
So in the days following our meeting with Sam at his house, we set out to find this Rob and his band, something like Road Apples. I stumbled upon a website called PacificNorthwestBands.com, and they had a page devoted to a band called Road Apple. One of the members listed was named Bob. I couldn't find Bob online, but I reached out to the lead singer, and I asked him, hey, were you in this band Road Apples? And he was like, I was in Road Apple, not plural. We were one unified piece of horse shit. <laughs> but I asked him if Bob ever lived in Green Lake, and he was like, I, I don't even think Bob lived in Seattle, but it didn't matter because Bob moved out of the state before the 80s even started. So that was a dead end. But while we were interviewing Sam, he mentioned that the former homeowner had a son. And we thought, well, it might be important to rule this guy out. Sam came across an obituary online for the former homeowner's ex-wife. Listed was the name of her son, so Warren was able to reach out to him via Twitter. We went back to Sam's house, and the three of us called him on Skype. Because the former homeowner had said he didn't want to be contacted, I thought it might be a good idea if his stepson wanted to come up with a couple of aliases. He picked Spencer for himself and Doug for his stepdad. As the story goes, my mom and, and future stepdad met uh, when I was in middle school and you know, she was a she was a professor and, and great single mom, but there was an opportunity for, for her to remarry, which which was great. And uh, and Doug, my stepdad, was was an awesome guy. And, and he had a house uh, by in the, in the Green Lake neighborhood. And so we we, we made the move and, and it was a, it was a big deal at the time. But it was I mean, as, as you know, it's an awesome house and an awesome location. And I lived there for about a decade through, I guess, uh, middle school and high school. So I think in 1996 is when I departed and went off to college. Um, you know, my my dad was was a professor and 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 a business owner and and you know had a great relationship with him, but he was a busy guy and 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 Doug was this you know very accessible you know big kid for for lack of a better description. One of the things that I did uh, when we submitted our offer was to write a letter to Doug telling him that we had a daughter who was uh, five at the time and how we were looking forward to raising her in this house. And when the offer was accepted, our realtor said that the letter was what made the deal uh, for him because it was so important uh, to Doug that there be a child growing up in this house. That's that's awesome. And what's interesting is that I, I don't know when it would have been, but a few years ago, um, and, and I, I'm i not in touch with Doug as, as, as much these days. He and uh, uh, my mother divorced uh, a number of years ago, but he, he reached out and, and shared this letter with me. And uh, so it's, it's, it's just interesting how full circle this all which, comes. Which letter? My letter? Yes. That is, wow. that's, that's awesome. That's, uh, that's really awesome. My mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer um, almost exactly two years ago, and, uh, and she passed away um, about seven weeks ago. She was a tremendous woman. Um, I, was, uh, I was happy to, uh, to, to place a, a presidential vote in her honor 
uh, that I know was important to her didn't didn't prevail the way I know she would have wanted it to. But uh, yeah, very very special woman. What's interesting about the the, the blessing of, of a, a disease that you know is is going to get you, that you know that that there's almost zero chance of of surviving, is that you begin this process of um, every interaction, every trip, every phone call um, is uh, in the backdrop of of a very very short clock, and. Um, and so, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm, I'm, it was a blessing to have these almost two-year period where her and I got to speak and spend a lot of time together. And, you know, we, her and I would, would joke. I would say, okay, Mom, this is where I'm going to tell you I'm gay, and you're going to tell me my dad's not my dad, right? That's, that's, how, that's how this goes, right? And, uh, but, but neither of those are true. But, but what was fun was that we got to talk about things that, you know, I got to tell her that I loved her handwriting and I always admired her signature. All these like little, little, like tiny, tiny things that you would never think to say to someone because they're not significant enough in the context of our busy lives when, when we have infinite or seemingly infinite time to spend together. And, you know, there wasn't that many, you know, amazing revelations, but there was a lot of sort of cool things that, that were uncovered. And, and one of the cool things or sort of, I don't know, surprising things she she said, Spencer, I don't know if you know this, but Doug had, um, as a part of his life, that he smoked weed um, almost daily. And I know you don't know that. And that may seem, I mean, this is Seattle, like the most progressive place ever. So it's like, what, like, what, no, what's the big deal, right? Plenty of, of my friend's parents uh, smoke pot, like who cares, except that I didn't know. And that's the significance, right? Is it how, like I'm living in this house and I'm a Snoopy kid. This is, you know, I'm from the age of 10 to 18. And, and you can imagine like we all are sort of just looking for, for, for what it is our parents and the adults in our lives are doing out of, out of curiosity, if nothing else. And, and I found plenty of interesting things, but I never discovered this. And it was the fact that she said it was a like a really big part of his life just baffled me, and and so I said, well, ha, I, mom, like ha, how did this work? Because I don't understand how it was a part of his life, and I also don't understand why it was such a big deal. And she said, well, Spencer, it was a big deal because I said if we're going to move in with you, if this is if if we're going to share our lives, and and that my son is going to be a part of your life, I don't want him to think that that's a part of normal adult behavior. I don't want him to think that that's something that I condone because it's not something I do speaking on behalf of my mother and it's not something that I want him around. And so Doug apparently like really took that to heart and and did an unbelievable job but but I still it was unresolved to me how he was able to do such a good job. Wow, that's uh, that's remarkable. And when did she when when did you have this conversation with your your mother? Um, I mean, 60 days ago, maybe that's kind of, I mean, that's right around the time that we found this, uh, we found this box. I mean, yeah. uh, the coincidence is, is, is striking. Spencer, when you, uh, when you look at the, you saw the pictures, um, when you look at the, at the box, is anything from that box recognizable to you? No. Well, yes. 
What's recognizable is the meticulousness with which it was organized. <laughs> Doug was, was a, he was a detail guy. The things in his life, the things in the house were organized and everything had its place. And the, the irony of course, is that we, I think we think of um, a lack of organization when we think of people who, who, who smoke a lot of pot, right? It's striking that so much almost love and attention went into the organization of this. And there's also the thought that, that he kept that secret and had pride in that secret, um, which reflects his love for my late mother and his love for me, that this was a part of his life that was important, but it was also forever and eternally important to him that it not be something that was revealed. And if we connect a few things really quickly and, and we connect the hidden staircase and the bookshelf and even the box that he gave your daughter and the meticulousness with which he cared for and hid things. It's fascinating to me that he took such pride in that which he did not disclose. Because I don't think the secrets were harmful, but I think they were important. And they had ceremony and they had ritual. You know, if there was shame in it, you know, I think that's okay too. But I think it's, I think it's okay for us to protect things um, from from the world, and uh, and I think he did that in a way that that did have some poetry to it. I think that's very poignant, and and you know, as you were talking and, and sort of even leading into your question, I was thinking that maybe I should ask you, what what should I do with this now? Um, and 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 you know, the idea of just dropping it in the mail back to where Doug lives doesn't seem it doesn't seem right. Uh, you know, I think out of respect for. Uh, the fact that this was intended uh, to be his secret, a secret. I think the proper way to dispose of this is to put it back together, to wrap it up as it was, and to put it back exactly where it was uh, and, and let it be part of the house. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I love the fact that, that you know, we wrote this letter, that it helped us turn uh, your childhood home uh, into our home for our child, that you were aware of us, that now uh, we're aware of you. In this very tumultuous time that we're in, where there's very little uh, that you can count on, uh, the connectedness of different people uh, across different times and, and, and different spaces uh, is one of the things that, that certainly keeps me going and, uh, and, and makes it possible to bear uh, the, the, the various challenges that we face. of like a dapper dude there's a lot of like really like i mean like there's corn cob pipes in this thing <laughs> um doug was very stylish right so like he had like now you know, i live in silicon valley and and everyone has you know everyone has their set of, of flashy interesting socks and, and he was doing that 20 years ago and and he had suspenders and he had bow ties and and so yeah he had a flair about him and so it doesn't surprise me that 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 carried over into his uh into his smoking so i have to ask one last question just to be super clear there was no rob who lived in this house who was in a band called something like 
road apples. <laughs> um, not that I'm aware of, no. <laughs> if there is, it's definitely his, but I, I don't think there is. <laughs> that is awesome. All right, Alex, we did it. Mission accomplished. We solved the mystery. Yeah, I think that worked out pretty well. I did not expect. I mean, it's a big gamble taking on a story like this. You don't know what the <laughs> you don't know what the outcome's going to be. I think it couldn't have worked out better. Yeah, and it's kind of a uh, magical how everything came full circle. It was kismet. Mm-hmm. One thing that I kind of hoped. I'm I'm totally jazzed about how this episode turned out. Is that why you're doing jazz hands? <laughs> yeah. But it would have been nice to actually put this pot stash back in the hands of this mythical Rob from something like Road Apples. And I'm a little mad that Doug felt like he needed to uh, send us on this wild goose chase. I mean... It was brilliant. It was a brilliant strategy to get us off the scent. If I'm ever in a bind and I need a scapegoat, Rob from Road Apples is definitely going to be <laughs> my go-to. <laughs> you owe someone money and they're like, give me my money back. And, and you're like, I can't. Rob from Road Apples took it. Yeah, he robbed me. <laughs> you got robbed. <laughs> Big thanks to Patrick Flynn for doing our music. Thank you so much to Spencer and Doug, even though you'll probably never hear this, and the entire Blackman family. We really enjoyed meeting you guys. Including Victor. Victor? <laughs> His name Victor? Who? That tiny little dog. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it Victor? I think so. Or is it Vincent? Oh, I don't know. We're going to be in trouble. We're like, hey, Vincent, it's Victor. <laughs> oh, our website, personaleffectspodcast.com. You can email us at personaleffectspodcast at gmail.com. And you should email us and you should tell us your story about your thing because we would love to hear it. Twitter at PFX Podcast. Don't we have something new? Oh, yeah. And since this story started on Reddit, we have a subreddit we'd like to direct you to. <laughs> it's called reddit.com slash r slash personal effects. Till next time. Sayonara, suckers. <laughs>